Last week, we talked about excellent love. Remember? This week, we're going to talk about excellent church. And the week before excellent love, we talked about the pursuit of excellence. And what is it, what's the difference between being excellent and being successful, right? And, and being excellent and being successful are two different things. And today we're going to talk about excellent church. If we are representing God, then we should attempt to do things well to bring God glory. You have to understand it. For us uh, to have an excellent church, and we are representative. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for the Lord. And so let us pray, and then I'm just going to go through a bunch of scriptures today and help you and give you three things, a couple things to walk away with. Heavenly Father, I ask that your word become revelatory to us. Help us and guide us. Open up our ears. Anoint our ears we may hear, our mind that we may understand, our heart we may receive right now. Let your people see past me and at the cross. Let your words become Rhema this afternoon. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, we, when we do things, we have to do it with everything. You know, when we represent God, we don't want people to look and say, Man, those Christians, they do everything halfway. That's the worst thing. You know, that they're no good. When they, when they work, they're no good. When they, uh, uh, when they go to church, they're no good. When they go to the restaurant, they're no good. That is a bad thing. You know, um, on the way here, my, wife, uh, my daughter and I was uh, dropped by a restaurant to eat. And um, the, the waitress was having difficulty, and she had forgotten a couple of things, and she was apologetic. And I told her, don't worry about it. And I was telling Luciana that, you know, when you go out, um, you should be kind to people. You know that? When you are kind to people, right, you will reap what you sow. I see people go to the restaurant. They just got out of church, and they go to the restaurant because the waitress forgot lemons. They give this waitress a hard time. Why do that? Lemons won't kill you if you don't have any. It's okay that you didn't get your lemons, right? And I tell my daughter, I said, always uh, be a person where you're considerate. Don't be so demanding, right? And I tell her, I, used to, I was a waitress, at, or a waitress. I was a waiter at one time, yeah. Had a skirt, no, I'm just kidding. I was a waiter at one time in college. I hated it. Right? And I told my daughter, I said, these people are paying for $20 uh, meals, and they want to give you, they, want, they demand $20,000 worth of service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the worst ones are people that just came out of church. <laughs> we don't want that. No. We want to be people that are kind. I want to give you a couple things to look for as we strive to become an excellent church. An excellent church will always connect you to God and his word. See, there are many churches that you go to, and they want you to connect to their program. I remember going into church as a young man. I was single, and the first thing was they say, hey, we have a singles group. And I'm like, well, sir, first-time visitor, I I just wanted to go listen to the pastor. Oh, we got a single group. 
No, I don't want to go to the single group yet. Or, oh, we have this or we have that. What a good church would do is they want to, first of all, connect you to God. It has to connect you to God. Do you feel God when you walk into the room? Do you feel God when the people are talking to you? Do you feel God when the leaders of the church speak or sing? Do you feel God uh, that you want to connect with him when the pastor is speaking? Do you feel connected to God when the worship uh, team is worshiping? See, other worldly, fleshly places, they want to connect you to themselves first. And God, second. See, but an excellent church is always striving to bring the best of God connected to you. See, you have to, you have to consciously. Around here, we're always trying to connect you to God. We're always trying to connect you to his word. I believe in it because only God can transform your life. God's word. Look, it says in Luke 21 and 33, it says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You know what that means? That means his word is forever. See, his words is forever. You know what the apostle Paul also said? He said that I didn't come to give you words of men's wisdom, but I gave, came to you to demonstrate to you the power of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. See, because when you experience the Holy Spirit with power, he begins to connect, you begin to connect with him. Because when you connect with God, you feel power. You feel emboldened. You feel inspired. You know what else the Bible says? It says this in Isaiah 45 and 21. Tell and bring forth your case, yet, yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. See, when people, when you go to an excellent church, they're always trying to get you to connect with God first. Not with their church, not with their program, not with their pastor, but connect you with God and his word first. That's very important. If you don't feel a connection that God, if they don't present a way to connect you with God, if they don't give you the word to connect you with his word, there is something wrong. I remember... Years ago, I went to this church, and the pastor would preach for 45 minutes, and he didn't quote one scripture, not one. Now, I know I'm, I'm not, that's say, pastor, that's a little extreme. No, not one. But he would pick up books and begin to read from books. And I thought to myself, my goodness, I don't mind that. But what happened to preaching God's word and connecting us with his word? Because God says that, if we are hungry, he will give us meat, for he is the bread of life. 
Look at what Acts chapter 2 and 42 says. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. You see, an excellent church is always striving to be their best to present you the doctrine of the gospel. Always, 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 always. It doesn't matter how they say it. It doesn't matter how they present it. But they're always trying to connect you to God and connect you to his word. That is so important for an excellent church. And that's what we strive to do here. That's what we strive to do here. The second thing is an excellent church will connect you to a community of believers. See, around here, we always try to connect with you. How can, we, how can we pray for you? How can we do things together? I heard y'all went to a great baseball game yesterday, right? And, and, and I heard that you got some good seats, too. I want to be involved in those next time. I couldn't yesterday, but I'm going next time. Right, I heard you had a suite and, and there was food and, 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 and uh, y'all sat to a former baseball player in the next seat uh, that was next. And uh, you had a great time. See, that causes people to be connected because the Bible says there's a reason that we need to be connected to believers because iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. Brother and sister, don't ever neglect the way you are connected to each other. Look at what Hebrews uh, uh, 10 says uh, and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Did you know that there are people today that do not want to be connected to a church? That more and more people now, they say that under survey, is more and more people, young generation people, are not interested in connecting to a church. They can have, because church can be on their smartphone. It, it can be on their tablet. They can listen through iPods. They can listen to audio. And they can watch it on their laptops or their computer. They don't want to be connected. But an excellent church will always connect you with other believers to help you. Because no man or woman can ever walk this place of faith by themselves. You need each other. You know I need you. I need you to encourage me. I need you to pray. Because if you're home, who's praying for you? Say, so, well, I can send an email to the prayer. Do you really believe? But they don't know you. They don't have the passion for you. They don't have a passion to pray and say, I feel your pain. How can I pray for you? You see, that is very important that we are connected not only to God's word and God's, uh, God himself, but we have to be connected. An excellent church works to connect you with other believers. We want to be in relationship with you and not just go to church. See, oftentimes people just want to sit on the pew, but that doesn't help you grow because when you're going through things, nobody's calling you and saying, hey, how you doing? Are you okay today? See, it's easy. You know, I, I always please people, uh, I, what I've learned is when you say you support somebody, don't just support them when it's convenient. You know that? Oh, it's not convenient today, Pastor. I said, really? It's not convenient today. Oh, okay. But I got you. I support you. But it's not convenient today because I got other things to do. I can imagine if God really did that to us, 
what will we do? If our excellent love is not consistent, how would we feel? How about, you know, when we talk about excellent love, how would we feel when someone tells us who loves us and they say love us and it's inconsistent? You see? God is not inconsistent in his blessing. God is not inconsistent in his love. And so we ought to be consistent in connecting ourselves with God and so we can connect others to him as well. The second thing we understand is when we are in an excellent church, an excellent church begins to serve God and serve each other. See, in the book of Hebrews, it, tell, it says this in verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. What? Did you know that you're supposed to stir me up to good works and love? That you should love me to stir me up in love and that you should uh, challenge me to do. I love what Nam got up here and he said, hey, this is what we're doing. I hope you come and join us. See, this, this helps us to serve a God, but also it helps us to serve a community. But he is causing us to be stirred up and say, hey, let's go. Let's sign up. You can at least hold a ladder. Can I hold the battery? Some of you. How many people does it take to change alarm? Three people, obviously. Right? The, the person that does all the work. The second one to give him the battery, and the third guy holding the ladder. So, you see, this is what it is about. When you are in church, I have to stir you up in love and also stir you up in good works. Wow. Where else would you go and do that? And people say, well, I can volunteer anywhere. That's true, but when was the last time you did it? Did you know that be, there are more uh, uh, humanitarian work done in the world because of the Christian people? Yeah. Yeah. You know that? There is more children being fed because of Christians. There are more naked people being clothed because of Christians. There are more missions and churches and missionaries because of our Christian faith. You know why? It's because we love God and we want to serve God and we want to serve others because, because God loved us and we want to love others. I love what Hebrew says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Where do we get good works? Surely we can volunteer, but do people do? It's only because of what you've been stirred up by the word of God in church. That's why you do what you do. See, I wouldn't know anything about changing alarm until Brother Nam said, we're going to go and do this. I didn't even know they had a program like that. <laughs> right? And I didn't realize it takes three people. But it's all good. Whatever it takes, let us, let us go. And, you know, and then we go down to University of Houston, and we begin to do the uh, Baptist student ministry and begin to feed these college students lunch. And, and what a beautiful place. And we get to talk to them about God. I met a Vietnamese exchange student the last time I was there. Not this last time, but the previous time. And he is far from home, and I was able to speak to him in Vietnamese. And he, uh, and he understood me, which was a miracle. But... Um, <laughs> But he felt at home, and he was amazed. And he said, you know, this was my last semester, and I'm going home. 
See, I was able just for a moment speak to him about God and the blessing of his life. And I don't know I'll ever see him again, but maybe that, that seed of, 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 of faith I put in him will change him. Yes. Brothers and sisters, we've got to stir each other up. Yes. You know, we really do. You know, we, you've got to stir someone else up. Hey, you're going to do something? Hey, you're going to do something? Hey, let's do something. Because why? Without motion, there can be no growth. Oh, you guys not. You know what? When you take a fake plant, a plastic plant, I've got a, a fake tree in my house. I do. All right? It, it's because, you know, it, you know what? It's just there. But, you know, I've been in that. We've had that fake tree for a long time. And you know what's amazing? It's in a beautiful pot. Right? And it looks like everything looks perfect on it. But every year, it's the same. It's the same. It never grows any bigger, okay? But it, all it does is it collects more dust, and it never grows. And so the reason why we need to stir each other up is because motion is required in growth. When children are small, and if they're growing, and there is motion, because they're growing up, right? As we get older, we grow out. But there's still life. Because a mannequin in the store that wears the clothes, they never grow up. They never grow out. They're always the same because they have no life. Oh, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. That's why we have to stir each other up. And sometimes, you know, we, we think, oh, get up in there. I, I'm not convenient. God, this is a bad time. You know, I, everything in my body's hurting. I, I, I just can't do this right now. But you have to understand, try to stir each other up in love and good works. Yes. You know, one thing I learned about people who've had a traumatic physical illness or a stroke. And they have to go to therapy, physical therapy. They ought to have uh, occupational therapists, which Marianne is one. And one of the things they don't want, they, even though they, they try and they can't move because their mind is not connected, but they would, the, the therapist would move their arm anyway. Why? It's because if they let it stay still, it has muscular atrophy. And when that happens, then there would be no growth. You see? Growth. You know, when, when, a, when a person begins to train weights and they lifting weights, how do you know they're growing is because their muscle is getting bigger. Because there's motion, and motion causes growth. Oh. Motion causes growth, but also motion and growth is there sometimes there's pain involved. There's pain involved. You know that there, there's, there's pain involved. You know, when you have a relationship and you want to grow the relationship, there's sometimes there's tears and pain involved. See, you got to stir up good works in each other. And sometimes it's uncomfortable for us to grow. I remember when I was a teenager and I started growing. I was a little shrimp. I was a small kid. And all of a sudden, everything started hurting in my joints. 
and we would go to the doctor, and the doctor said, that's okay. Those are called growing pains. Huh, growing pains. You mean there is pain in growth sometimes? But we cannot grow if we're not moving. And we, if we're not moving, it's because you're not allowing, uh, you're not putting yourself in an environment where someone can stir you up. Anytime you read that word stir, there's motion. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Stirring requires motion. Stirring requires movement. Stirring requires there's something that cannot stay in the same place at the same seat all the time. You got to get moving. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, excellent church builds. You know, obviously, this is not about what to look for in the church, but this is what we're looking to do here in this church. Build or equip you to fulfill the work of ministry. You know that there are some places you go and you just sit. Just sit. And when you're sitting, you're not growing. You're not. Right? But when someone forces you to lead or give you an opportunity, hopefully we don't have to force you. Or around here we volunteer you. Right? And maybe it's uncomfortable because there is some pain involved. And you, you might get up and you're so nervous and, and the lights are in your eyes. And you need sunglasses. But you know what? You know that we're trying to build you to fulfill the work of ministry. Look at what Ephesians 4 says in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping. Everybody say equipping of the saints for the work of ministry to edify or for the edifying of the body of Christ. Did you know that it's my job to equip you? It's my job to push you and stir you to good works and say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know if I can lead a women's ministry. You can do it. I don't know if I can lead a women's Bible study. You can do it. And I heard Sarah's doing a great job. <laughs> Nobody's left the church. Thank God. She's doing an excellent job. But see, an excellent church has the faith that God has put the talent inside each and every one and say, you know what? I have enough faith that I can train you to get you to a place where you can be all that you can be. Because the worst thing is to die with all your talent and your skills never been accessed. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm going to ask you a question first. In this great city of Houston, where do you think the most expensive pieces of land are, real estate are? Downtown, the energy corridor where all the oil companies are, right? Town, city center, right? I-10 in the Bellway, woo, that's so expensive. They got like Hotel Zaza there. They have hotels, you know, all these expensive hotels. Everybody, there's a Microsoft building. Where do you think the most expensive real estate is in Houston? Is it downtown where, where um, all the skyscrapers are? You know where the most expensive real estate is? It's the cemetery. And you laugh, but let me explain. 
You know why? We laugh, but let me explain. How many hundreds and thousands of people that have talent and resources and intellect and gifts they never accessed before they died? They've never used their gift. There could have been a person there laying in the ground that could have discovered the cure for cancer. There could have been a person that could have written the most, the most beautiful music, but because they lived a life unfulfilled, because they never thought that they would ever amount to anything, they died with all the dreams, all the resources, all the talents, and all the gifts with them. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, the greatest resource we have in this world is not what's in the ground. You know what it is? It's what's in you and me. See, the, 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 the greatest resource, I, I remember uh, of, uh, Pastor Peter going to Singapore with me. And we going in Singapore. And Singapore is a little island, okay? Compared to the U.S., it's like a dot. It's just like a dot. Singapore, just so small. If you look at on it, it's like a head of a pin. When you put it in the globe, it's like a head of a pin. There is no natural resources. It's small. You can drive from one side to the other side in like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's it. It's surrounded by ocean. That's it. No natural, no oil, no gold. No diamonds, nothing. And you know what? It is the number one financial center of Southeast Asia. Number one. It is the number one uh, uh, shipping port of Southeast Asia. Number one. It is the number one banking in the world in Asia. It's right there in that little country. Six million people. No natural resources. And did you know that the former president who had died in 2015, when Peter and I was there, he had died. Did you know he said the greatest resources that we have in this country is not what's in the ground, but it's our people. Sisters, the greatest resources is not what's in the ground. It's not what you see downtown, but it's in us. Because God created you and me in his image. And so the greatest resources we have is already in us. And so we have to access it. And it helps us. That's why Ephesians says that God has given us apostles and prophets and pastors, evangelists and teachers for the equipping. My job is to equip you and our job is to equip you so that you can do and access what God has in you. You ought to tweet that or something right there. The greatest resources is not what's in the ground. It's in me. See, you have to believe. You don't want to go down and be part of the most expensive real estate, which is the cemetery, because all the unfulfilled dreams of people that could have changed the world lay in the ground. I don't want that to be me. When I went to, on Thursday, I went to see, I went to the celebration of going home of, of Bishop Jimmy Davis Sr. He is my friend, Pastor Jimmy, you know, who's spoken in our church, his father. And I knew him, 
but he was pretty young. He's only, he was only 67. Right? That's pretty young. It's funny, as I get older, people seem to get younger. <laughs> when I was like in my, when I was 18, I look at somebody, six, seven, man, you old. Right? Now it's like, wow, you young? In 67 years, he preached in 67 countries. Wow. And this is a guy that was born in Houston, and it wasn't like he was born into wealth. All right? He has spoken in front of audiences, 150,000 to 200,000 people at one time. Wow. At one time, they thought that he was going to go to Hollywood and become a movie star because he was that type of a person. But he said, his mama said, no, my boy's going to go into the ministry. He's going to be God's man. And he gave up that dream of going to Hollywood to be a movie star, become a priest. And I find out that he's led literally thousands of people to the Lord from South America, South Central America, Africa, India. I was like, wow. He has mentored hundreds of leaders. Brothers and sisters, and his job was always telling other ministers, we want you to be the next one. We want you to be the next one. See, an excellent church begin to equip you and build you, build your family, build your faith, build the God-given talent and gift in you. That's why here at our church we have three pillars outside the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have, what is it? Connect, serve and build. We want to connect with you, but we mostly we want you to be connected to God. We want to serve God, but we also want to serve you, each other and in our community. But we also want to build you, build your faith, build your family, build your marriage, build your children, equip you for the work of ministry. I don't want to be the only one people call. I'm going to change my number if that happens. Say, call Pastor Danny. He's always available. <laughs> just make sure that you tell him put his headpiece on because he's one hand he's feeding his son the other hand he's probably combing his daughter's hair you see brothers and sisters when we equip it's for you and me to go out I don't want to give you this and you just sit there in church and not move because anything that's not moving is dying yes. oh when people are laying on their deathbed, they're not moving because they're dying. And anything that's not moving is dying. I want to leave you with this couple of quotes from Pastor Brandon Cox. He is currently the pastor of Grace Hills Church in Arkansas, but he was formerly a pastor at Rick Warren's church at Saddleback in California. This is what he said about excellence. And we're going to close with this. Excellence shouldn't be exalted above other values that is higher or have higher priority. That's not, that's not like we're pursuing and then there's other things that's higher ranked that we forget about it. If we are doing our best to impress others, our heart is already in the wrong place. 
Brother, if you come into church because you're trying to impress somebody, you're already in the wrong place. Your heart is already in the wrong place. I hope that the praise and worship team, I hope Pastor Jeremiah is not just worshiping to impress you, but he's saying, God, I want to do my very best and do the things to my potential. We do our best so that God gets the glory. Here's what he says, and I'll, excellent isn't the goal. Listen to me. Excellent isn't the goal. Change lives is the goal. Amen. Yes. Think about that for a minute. Excellent is a worthy goal, but is not really the target. See, we have a goal to be our best, but if our best destroys lives, then I'm not interested. Because have you ever seen people? This is very hard for people who are perfectionists. Well, bless God, that's how we do it. Well, bless God, you're going to hurt a lot of people. You ever meet people that claim they are doing excellent because their goal isn't change lives. Their goal isn't trying to help people. Their goal is about them showing everybody I'm the best. And when you do that, you are not changing lives. You're going to injure lives. See, excellent is a worthy goal, and that's our goal. But it's not really the target. Our target is being our best so that we can give God glory and that we can bring more souls to Christ. Don't let the pursuit of excellence stop us from pursuing God and pursuing souls for him. See, I dealt with people that they, they say, oh, this is how I am. I'm a perfectionist. But your perfectionist is wrong when it hurts people. Your perfectionist or your so-called excellent is hurting people. It's not equipping people. We have to be careful that we don't get into this mode of saying we have to be perfect and excellent, but we forget that our goal isn't just about excellence. Our goal is about changing lives. See, I'd rather have a mess and somebody's life is coming to Christ than have everything smelling good and looking good and nobody comes. You see, I'm doing my best, not because I want to be better than anybody else. I'm saying, God, have I loved the best? Have I loved in an excellent way? I told you several weeks ago in my pursuit of, of excellence that I asked the Lord, I'm going on 21 years of marriage, Pastor Samuel, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, teach me to love my wife more excellent. After 20 plus years. Thank you, sister. I'm trying to learn because you have to ask yourself, are you loving people with your very best. And let me ask you something. Are you doing things for God at your very best, or can it be a little bit better? I'm not saying you won't fall, or you won't fall short, but your goal is there. But don't let our excellent goal begin to forget about people, because we can get into that attitude like, my way or the highway. Well, if you do that, then a whole lot of people will shun you, and you will be very lonely. See, Jesus himself was excellent. I mean, everything he did was excellent. 
He quoted scripture, excellent. He healed people, excellent. But you know what? He didn't allow people that weren't like him or didn't do the things. He wanted to do one thing, was to change lives. But the most important was he wanted to give Father God the glory. See, most people who are perfectionists want people to notice that they are so good at what they do, but they forget that it's not about them, it's about God. Brothers and sisters, I'm all about excellence, the things that I can control. But I want you to help me if I fall short and tap me on the shoulder. Pastor, your perfection and your excellence is not helping anyone. Let's change that. We are excellent. But if there are some people that is trying, we're, trying to, we're, a, we're a place here developing. There's going to be musicians that's not perfect. There's going to be drummers not perfect. There's going to be guitar players not perfect. But I'm try, we're trying to develop them. Don't criticize them. Help them so they can be fulfilled. Let us stand.